Well, hello, friends. Welcome to Grace Radio. This is Pastor Frank. I'm glad you came by. Let's have some time together and think about God's love. Let's think about His grace, His goodness. He's kind. He's very loving and forgiving God. I'd like to make a statement here on the broadcast before we begin. It's very, very simple. Just a one-liner. So don't go away. You might say, well, it can't mean much if it's just one little line. Well, sometimes these one-liners mean much more to us than we think they could be. It's C.S. Lewis. You remember him, the great historian, uh, preacher, and author, and he's written books, and he's quite a guy. And you can read all about him and find out things about him on the computer if you have to investigate all of that in case you have not heard of him in the past. But he's also responsible for many books he's written, books for children as well. And everything he has written and everything he talks about is just plain amazing. So if you're not acquainted with him, why not try to be? You could find him in bookstores. You could find him on a computer in different places. So look for him. His name is C.S. Lewis. And uh, quite a character, quite a man, very intelligent, very inspirational. Well, he made and wrote this little statement once, some time ago. It's that one liner I was just telling you about. Listen to this. He wrote, and he said, by the way, Let's pray that the human race never escapes from earth to spread its iniquity elsewhere. What do you think about that? Does that did you get it? Let me let me say it one more time. Let's pray that the human race never escapes from earth to spread its iniquity elsewhere. What do you think of that statement? I think it's amazing. When I first read it, I said, "Wow, that's that says a lot." But it makes you think, and it especially would make you think about different things that relate to that. The fact that the human race is a race of people who are very, very far from being perfect. You see, as the Bible says, all have sinned. We're all sinners. But to put it this way, don't let the human race escape from earth because the human race could spread its iniquity elsewhere. You know, what if you took a trip in space and you found a planet that had all good and good people, morally good people, people who believed in God and so forth? Well, C.S. Lewis is saying, well, let's hope and pray that the human population does not find find itself elsewhere where others would have to experience the human race with all of its sins. Well, I hope that doesn't offend the human race, as I mentioned it, but the Bible does make it clear that the whole human race is in sin. You might say, well, wait a minute now, why are you saying that? That's kind of insulting, isn't it? Well, whatever way you'd like to look at it, I'm, I'm just trying to say from a, a 
a godly point of view, from a biblical point of view, and from a reality point of view, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you wouldn't want to interrupt a nice, peaceful, loving world of people who don't do those things. So you better not go there, if that's the case. I'm just trying to be funny. I hope you can understand that. Here's another, here's another one-liner that is a little bit of a different subject, and it's, it's a better subject. Here it is right here. It says this, In Christ... There is nothing I can do to make God love me more. Well, that's for sure. Let's add to it. There is nothing I have done that makes God love me less. Well, I'll repeat this one too, okay, in case you missed it. In Christ, there is nothing I can do to make God love me more. There is nothing I have done that makes God love me less. Well, you might say, I don't know if that's true. You're having a hard time kind of coping with that statement. But it has to be true when you look at in the light of the gospel. I mean, Jesus came into the world because he loved everybody. He loved the whole world. He loved sinners all throughout the world. As the Bible tells us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you might say, well, then why does God come into this world full of sinners? Well, the answer is simple. He loves us. And he proved it by giving his life for us on a cross. Now, that's how much he loves you. I hope you know that. I hope you know that he loves you that much. He really does. He proved his love. God didn't just say, you know, I love you, I created you, I made you, and I love you. Well, he, he, he did make that clear, but it's more than that. He proved his love by what he did for us. He gave his life on a cross. Not only did he sacrifice his life on the, love on the cross, but he carried all of our sins there. And he was judged in our place because we are we would normally think of being judged for our own sins and you know we will be each and every one of us if we don't know Christ as our Savior who came to forgive us which means I should tell you right now before we go on if you're dealing with sin in your life and you feel guilty and you know it you can find forgiveness through faith in Christ, understanding, knowing that he died for you on the cross to pay the price for your sin. Isn't that good news? You know, sometimes we say the gospel is good news. Well, it sure is when you think of it in that light. Paid for your sins. For all that you've done wrong, he paid the price. He loves you. So do you get it so far? So far, there's two or three things I mentioned. That there is nothing you can do that could escape from the love of God for you. Nothing can change that. He loves you. Gave his life on the cross to prove it. You know how it is today in the world today and sometimes... You know, our English language is 
really doesn't go too far in terms of being absolutely genuine about what we say. I mean, how many times do we go to say to somebody or something, we say, we love you, but we really don't. It's just a, one of those expressions. I love you. Well, yeah, sure, what does that mean? Well, true love proves itself by what it does. What does true love do to help us understand that God's love, perfect love, loves us by something proven because of what he did for us? What did he do for us? Well, he's God Almighty. He made everything, made the world, made the universe, made the planets. And whether you're having a hard time or not to believe it, I don't know. But everything more than ever proves that that story is true. But think of it this way. How much love could he prove? I mean, beyond our frail human thinking, I know our natural thinking can deceive us sometimes. But think of this for a minute. Don't try and figure it all out. But the fact that God became a man, came into the world, and died for all of your sins, every sinner. He died for everybody's sins. So whether you're a good sinner or a bad sinner, it doesn't matter. God proved his love in the fact that he paid the price for your sin. He was judged in your place. Why? So that you could know his forgiveness. That's why. He loves you that much. So we don't want to take those words, I love you, very lightly when it comes to thinking about God's love. We even use those terms sometimes uh, very flippantly. You know, something like, God loves you. Well, I know that. Well, let me remind you that God loves you. Well, sure, that's, that's right. He does love you. But wait a minute, how do I know he loves me like that? I mean, people tell me every day they love me. So God loves me too, big deal. All right, God loves me. Yeah, but he proved it by what he did for you. Now, sometimes we could think of it on human terms in a very simple way to understand something. Some people really do not understand how much God loves them or how much their spouse or their friend loves them until they buy you a gift. I mean, Christmas time is around the corner, and some of you will get a gift from someone, hopefully. I hope so. I don't want you to be all alone without thinking about receiving a gift. You do have the gift of God, his love for you, but there's something about gift-giving on Christmas that means so much. And that's part of what we think of at Christmas time, sort of a Christmas type of spirit. But, you know, many people don't believe in Christmas. Even now, especially now, the way the world is. Some people have given up on Christmas. They're angry about life, angry about the world, angry about things they don't have, and they're just plain angry, angry about what's going on. And some people are literally saying, I don't believe in Christmas any longer, anymore. I, I just don't, I don't believe in Christmas. Well, it doesn't change the story of Christmas. And you know what the story of Christmas is. The story of Christmas is how much he loves you. What love it is that he would love you that much. But he does. But here's the point. Here's what I was getting at. 
he loves someone very much. Let, let's let's make up a little story here. Let's see if you could follow me on this. Let's think of it in and related to God's kind of love. Let's say you love somebody very much. I'll say let's say you are very lonely. You're hurting. And you have someone who loves you, your family who loves you, you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend that loves you, and nothing happens on Christmas. I mean, they don't, they don't big bring in a big box all wrapped up in ribbons with a gift in it. They just walk in and they say, well, Merry Christmas, honey. Well, Merry Christmas to you, honey. We have a nice dinner ready for Christmas dinner, so we can enjoy that together. Okay, oh, that's great. That's fine. And so you have dinner with friends, girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever, and time goes on, and then the family are there, family's there, friends are there, everybody's sharing in all of the pottiness of what they want to do. But you're waiting for a gift from your boyfriend. Or you might be waiting for a gift from your girlfriend. That's okay. Or your parents, whatever. But no one gives you a gift. You're just sitting there and you, you burp a couple of times because you had a good dinner. But that's a, that's a gift. Thank God you got a good gift. But listen, no one else gives you a gift. What about that, that um, gift box of, of jewelry or some clothing that you were looking forward to? Your boyfriend or your girlfriend didn't come by and they didn't give you a gift. No gift for you to open up. Well, I think you'd be disappointed. Even if you wouldn't admit it, you still might be a little disappointed. So what do you do about it? Well, you might talk to your boyfriend, girlfriend, or whoever that friend is. Maybe you'd complain and say, well, now, wait a minute. You said you loved me. You didn't even bring me a gift. Yeah, I know it. I, I just don't have the money this Christmas to do that. I couldn't bring a gift. But I came to tell you how much I love you. Well, depending upon the kind of person you are, you could be insulted by that, or you could kind of snicker about it. But you might say, well, wait a minute, you're telling me you love me, but you didn't prove it at all by giving me uh, a gift that's absent. In other words, you didn't give me a gift, and you're trying to tell me you love me. But wait a minute, what proves love anyway? Is giving a gift wrapped up in a special package with bows all over it mean that somebody loves you? Maybe, maybe. It's good to get a gift. I like to receive gifts. I think this year they're going to put, you know, what we used to say when I was a young fella, a young boy. Every once in a while my parents would kid around and say, you better be good this Christmas because if you're not a good boy or girl, whatever the case is, we're going to put a piece of coal in your Christmas stocking over there by the fireplace. And uh, that would be pretty, pretty painful to, to listen to. You mean to tell me that if I'm not a good boy or a good girl and I'm not doing everything right according to your standards, you're going to put a piece of black coal in my Christmas stocking for Christmas? Well, that would kind of maybe be a good laugh today, but what if somebody took that serious? Is that all I'm going to get for Christmas? 
Well, some people would say, well, that's the way it is, pal. I, or other people would come to you who love you very much and they give you very, very little for Christmas. They don't give you much, but why not? Oh, have you thought about it? Maybe they can't go to a store and buy it and afford it. They just don't have it. They can't give you anything that costs money so much. So they might bake some cookies at home and uh, with a dozen cookies, cookies, maybe only a half dozen cookies, put them in a plastic bag and bring them to your house and say, Merry Christmas, and they hand you six or so cookies that they made for you today. Is that an act of love? Could be a very, very big act of love. But some people may be insulted by that. You mean to tell me, in all the time we've known one another and all the good things I've done for you, all you're going to give me is six cookies in a plastic bag and say to me, Merry Christmas. Wow. Is that the best you could do? So someone might be very insulted that way. But I hope they're not. That could be a very sincere gesture. Just what's the word for it? Gesture from someone to give you some cookies they made? I think it's very nice. It means a lot. It could be a very, very friendly statement of love for you. Think about it. It doesn't mean someone doesn't love you. But in all sincerity, maybe they couldn't do any better than that. But give you some cookies they made and put in a plastic bag to give you on Christmas Day. When you think about those things, and there's so many things you can think about when it comes to gift-giving. But gift-giving, I noticed today in many places, is very important. It means so much. I, I see a commercial on television, and uh, the husband or the wife gives a brand-new vehicle to the one they love. A brand-new car. Wow. I see commercials like that, and I say, wow, what a gift that is. Buy a thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar car or more, and and for a Christmas gift. Uh, you know, in my case, I would say to myself, "Wow, I've never known anyone that could give me a gift that big, giving me a brand new vehicle." Wow, that's giving me a lot. Some people are able to give very precious, generous, expensive gifts. Think about that. It's very meaningful. But sometimes it's those little things that mean a lot more than a material gift of some kind. You need to think about it. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone loves me, and I know they love me, and they say to me, Pastor Frank, I love you, my expression and feeling about that it's pretty deep. Oh, I appreciate it. I'm so glad you told me that you love me. That's a great gift. Three little words. I love you. By the way, have you spoken to anybody recently? Not only close friend or families, but 
anybody. Have you expressed some love? No, we can't love a per- anybody with a perfect love, and we can't love with God's love, but we can express love, and we really mean it. And I think when we really mean it, when we say it, the point gets across. Whoever you said that to is really comforted because you said, I love you. Now you think, of this, I don't care if you're married 50 years, 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, but if you have a wife or a husband or, or a close uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, or an engagement or something, uh, whoever that is needs to hear from you that you love them. Doesn't that mean everything? I love you. I'm so glad for you. I love you. I'll always love you. Such pleasant words, such a nice thing to hear from someone who loves you. It could make your day. It really could. In some cases, it could even change your life. That someone you love expresses their love for you. But it's kind of lonely and doesn't go very far when someone says, I like you a lot, you're a good guy, you're a good girl. Our expressions like, thank you for being there for me. Thank you for what you did for me last month, last year, or whatever the case is, whatever it was. Thanks for that that special favor you did for me. It means a lot. Thank you for that. But what about those words, I love you? You think it makes a difference? I think it does. I have good friends. Some of them make it a habit to tell me they love me. But I know others who may not say that to me or say it very often. I know they love me. And, and, and that means a lot. It really does. And that can, that can make a difference in someone's life. How about you? Is there someone in your life that you need to say to them, I love you? You know, sometimes you can get so familiar with a family person, someone in your family, or even a friend. You you get to a point where you know someone so well, it doesn't even seem important enough to tell them that you love them. You take it for granted that they know that. Well, you know, I, let me tell you, I, I've been around a long, long time on this planet. And uh, I remember once a woman I loved very, very, very much. She was my wife. She's gone now. She's gone to heaven. I miss her very, very, very much. I love her. And I can't talk to her anymore. I can't see her. I can talk to her in my mind or in some sort of a prayer to God. I can be thinking about my wife and kind of want to talk to her and say things to her that mean so much. At times, I would visit a cemetery and uh, visit my wife's uh, place of burial and I would go there, as many people do, I would come by her stone and I would sort of talk to her, sometimes quietly, sometimes inwardly, I would talk to her. And then I would say, sometimes, I would say, Ellen, I really love you and I miss you. And then I wonder, I hope she can hear me, I don't know. Do you think she does? Well, many people really believe our loved ones hear us. 
some people believe our loved ones, family, friends, can hear us. And we could argue theologically about all of those things because others believe we can't talk to our loved ones until we go to heaven to be with them. Okay, we can talk about that all day, but I'm trying to point out something about how precious it is to remind somebody that you love them. And, and with feeling, I mean, I mean, the feeling of it can come out of you. You know, it's one thing when we say things loosely like, hey, I love you, pal. You know, we do those things a lot. I say that to my friends, you know. Hey, I love you, so-and-so. And, yeah, and he, he'd say, I love you too, pal. See you later. See you next week. See you in church. Okay, those are good, nice, polite, friendly things to do. But I did want to bring an illustration up here. And, that, and that's this. I'd like you to think about God for a minute. The fact is, especially if you're a religious person, and especially a Christian, then you know that God lives. And we know, because of that, that God created us. He created the whole world. Do you know, by the way, that science proves these things now more than ever? More than ever these things are proven. Even a baby in the womb of a mother and God forbid they don't get aborted. I don't believe in abortion at all. That's a living person in a mother's womb. I'm sorry if you went through an abortion. I don't mean to make you feel condemned about it. You could talk to God about it, and God's forgiving. He understands those things. And there are many people on the streets protesting that they want their abortion rights. And, you know, I'd rather they... they protest and run these messages with signs and walking the streets and wouldn't it be better if everybody made it clear don't kill that little baby in the mother's womb wouldn't it be better to say that than to say put away that little baby it's it's one way of saying I don't want that life to come into this world Well, you could argue, well, God put that life in the mother's womb. Well, yes, God did do that. I know. And that's sad when people don't understand it, but I know many people don't get it. And that's because they're not taught right. Schools don't teach it, in many cases at least. Um, Many people don't even want to talk about it, you know. All people talk about is, I want my abortion rights. I have a right to have a, you know, I'm a woman. I can do whatever I want with my body. But wait a minute. That life in your womb, God put that baby there. So, you, you know, you can't, you know, you think about these things rationally, sensibly, and understand it. But here's what I really wanted to get to. And by the way, if you need any literature about these things or you need any help or have any questions about any of these things, if I could help you with any of that, I'd be glad to. Why don't you be in touch with me? You could leave me a message here on uh, Spotify. I know you can. They tell me that. But I'm not hearing enough from people. I would rather my phone be crowded with people calling me, even with a complaint if they had to. They could call me and say, I don't like what you're telling me. I don't like to hear about God. Yes, we can do this, we can do that. God doesn't care, you know, all of those things. But I'm not hearing enough from you. Tell me about it. I'd like to hear from you, and I'd like to help, though, with anything I could do to encourage you with whatever you'd like to, like me to encourage you with. Is 
many ways I could do that. Printed literature, prayers for you, um, counseling for you. You know, listen, I'm available for many of these things right here in the Burlington area. I'm doing all I can to reach out to people who are hurting, who need to be encouraged. If you have a need, would you get in touch with me? I would love to hear from you. As a matter of fact, I think I could even give you my phone number. I don't think anybody would cut me off from my giving you a phone number, would they? I hope not. Let me let me see if I can find it here. I, you know, I can't remember phone numbers because I don't have a good I don't have a good memory. But I could give you a phone number. But you have to ask for me. Okay, call this number seven eight one three six three. Two zero one one. Now that's a business number, but all you have to do is ask for me, and I'll get back to you. It's that simple. And if you need to know more about love, I'd be very glad to help you, even to the point where, if I could join you at a church service, I love to preach, give messages at church services. Call upon me. You have a small group. I'd be very happy and privileged to sit with you in a small group and share with you about God's love. Would you have me? But you have to do one thing in return. You have to give me a cup of coffee when we sit at that table and talk about things. I'd love to have a cup of coffee. Now, basically, you know, I I don't run commercials, and I'm not commercializing any kind of business or anything, but I just wanted to tell you that personally, Dunkin' Donuts coffee's for me. Other kinds of coffees, even popular ones that people are buying out everywhere today in in the marketplace, I don't like those coffees. I want Dunkin' Donut coffee, and I don't work for Dunkin' Donuts. And I'm not getting a commercial of gift or anything from Dunkin' Donuts and no one from Dunkin' Donuts is going to call me and say, Pastor Frank, I love you. No, that won't happen. I'm just telling you, I'd I'd be glad to visit with you, talk with you on a one-on-one basis or in a small group or meet you at a church to share with you God's love. I'm not too good at it, but I sure would like to try. But here's an illustration here in closing this message. I'm winding down, so don't go away yet. Here's the important part. I spent quite a bit of time talking to you about not only sharing God's love, but how good it feels when someone tells you that they love you. That's a good feeling. Most of the time. It really means something when somebody tells you that, hopefully. And when you tell someone you love them, that's a good thing if you really mean it when you say it. But here's something I want you to know. God loves you. Well, you might say, well, big deal. I need to hear it from my girlfriend or boyfriend or my wife or my husband. They need to tell me that they love me. Well, let me tell you something. God loves you. I don't know about your friends or other people you associate with, whether they mean it or not mean it, when they might say to you at Christmas time or whenever that they love you. Well, okay, that, that, that's a good thing. I'm not against it, not at all. 
But I will tell you this, there's someone who loves you with perfect love, unconditional love, that was expressed at the cross. God loves you so much, not only did he say it, he proved it. Maybe you never thought of it that way. Some people don't even think of it that way. God proved his love for you. Well, you might say, well, what do you mean? How did he prove his love for me? He died on a cross 2,000 years ago. I know that, but what does that mean? He wasn't around when I was around. So what does that mean when you tell me he loves me? Well, he loves you because when he did go to a cross, he loved you. He had you in mind. I'm going to say that again. He had you in mind when he loved you and the nails were nailed into his hands. The nails were nailed into his feet. It was his way of saying to you personally. It was his way of saying, I love you. That's why I'm dying on the cross. I'm paying for all your sin, and I'm opening up the door, a gift to eternal life. A Christmas gift that no one else in the world could ever possibly think of giving you. But Jesus did it. The greatest gift ever given is the gift of God's Son. Came into the world, was nailed to a cross, and it was Jesus' way of saying, I love you. But he didn't just say it then, did he? No, he lived it. He lived it, and he died on a cross to prove it for you personally. You know, the Bible teaches that, that he knew all about you as you were being formed in your mother's womb. God knew about you already. I mean, after all, God put you there, and he knew all about you. Even before you came into the world through your mother's womb, he knew about you. And he knew your future as well. God expressed his love. God became a man, came into the world, was nailed to a cross. His hands and feet were nailed to a cross. It was God's way of saying three words. I love you. Now, let me say this. I mean, that's a pretty sacred thing, to think that God came from heaven, came into the world as a man, knowing he would suffer and die for each and every one of us that he loved. He did all of that to prove his love for me. How can anyone reject that kind of love? It's beyond my natural way of thinking. <laughs> I don't get it. But that's what God did for me. Jesus came into the world. He gave his life on the cross because he loved me. So on the day that I recognized God's love for me and that he died on the cross for my sins to forgive me for all of my sins, that's the very day I could not refuse his love for me. So I invited Jesus into my life. I haven't been the same since. That gives me a willingness and a capacity many times to love others. There's so much evil in the world, and there's so many evil people in the world, 
In fact, I have a friend who says, you know, it's not that there's just a lot of sinners in the world. Well, what is it then? He said, many are demonic. There's so much demonic activity in the world, the way people are suffering, dying, being tortured, all of those horrible, terrible things taking place in Israel and other countries around Israel. And what's happening there can be not only just human torture, but demonic kind of torture and suffering. But let me get back to the good part. When God revealed to me, he showed me that he loved me. I gave my heart to him. Boy, I have, as a Christian, I have been far away from perfect. I have to go to confession every day, talk to God about my shortcomings, my sinfulness, things I've said and done wrong. And because he loves me, he forgives me immediately because he paid for that sin on the cross. You see, I can't earn God's love. I can't deserve God's love. I can't deserve God's forgiveness. I can't earn God's forgiveness. He just did it all for me. How do I know that? Because when God said, I love you, he meant it. And he proved it by what he did for us. How can we miss that? That's the Christmas message. Well, you know, maybe in closing here, let me say this. Maybe you're getting, well, we are very close to the Christmas season now. Uh, but this message is good for every day of the year, not just Christmas. But what I wanted to get to is this. Think about God's love this Christmas and make a personal application. And thank God for loving you. Thank God for dying on the cross to pay for all of your sin and everything you've done wrong. In life. Thank God for his love and forgiveness. Thank God that he proved his love for you. And thank God that he loves you right now. We need to know that. Each and every one of us, we need to know it, that he loves us that much. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, did you know the all-seeing eye of God who knows everything that's going on in this world? Loves you right now, and you can call upon him, and he will hear you. You know, this Christmas or any time of the year, for that matter, especially now, the world is so wicked, more wicked than ever. With godlessness and sinfulness, the torture, the suffering, the pain, the discouragement. But more than ever, God's love is available. He will save lost sinners, no matter who they are. No matter what the sin is. Because Jesus paid the price on the cross for all of our sins. All of them. Not just some of them. But all of our sins he paid for on the cross. He can forgive you if you don't think God can forgive you for all of your sins. You are so mistaken. Because, listen again, God loves you.
and he has proved it by what he has done for you. And the evidence of his love is the cross. And he has given us the Bible, the word of God. Man's religion all over the world. Think about this. Maybe you never thought of it. Do you realize that every religion created by men tells you you have to do something to earn God's love? But it's only the true message, as the Bible teaches us. The only way you can have God's love is to receive it as a gift, just like at Christmas time. Receive God's love as a gift. Let him forgive you. He knows about all the sin and all the wrong. Receive him as your personal, loving Lord and Savior, who paid the price for all of your sin on a cross. Are you thinking about it? Have you thought about it? Have you done so in the past? Do you need to do it now? Some of you listening to me right now, this very moment, you need to open up your hearts and tell Jesus Christ to come into your life and wash away all your sins and thank him at the same time for loving you so much. He did that for you. Would you do that right now? Listen, I'll pray with you. And by the way, remember, I, I gave an offer a few minutes ago, five minutes or so ago. If you need something, if I could give you something to prove something about love, I would do that. I can't give you a brand new car. I can't do a lot of things. I could buy you something, maybe. I don't have much money because I don't have any money. <laughs> I don't have a salary. I don't work. I don't have a paycheck. But I care about you for one reason because I know how much God loves you. And if I could do something to prove God's love for you, I would like to do that. Not much I can give, but Jesus gave it all. He gave his life on a cross. He carried on a cross all of your sin and mine, was tortured and suffered on the cross for you personally and for me. God so loved the world. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Well, that's right. And you know, there's something maybe I forgot. Without knowing and having Christ in your life, not receiving his gift of eternal life through faith in him means you're lost, eternally lost. You can't go to be with God. You won't go to be with Jesus in heaven. Why? Because you rejected him, or you don't want him, or you don't want to bother with all that. Well, there's all kinds of excuses for avoiding God's love. But as I said earlier when I opened up the broadcast, I didn't plan on it either, by the way, but this is what I said. Just think of this, that no matter what you do, you can't stop God from loving you. There's nothing that I have done or you have done that makes God 
love me less. But the only problem with the whole subject of God's love for me or for you is that you can't have God's love unless you receive it. Well, let me give you a childlike illustration. Let's say that uh, you have this big gift, and you went out and you bought your girlfriend, your wife, or whoever it is, uh, this precious gift for Christmas. And you come to that individual and you say, look, I got a gift for you, look at it. And you look at the gift, it's all wrapped up in a beautiful Christmas package, and, and, and you want to hand it over to your friend or person that you love so much, and, and they say to you, no, I don't want it. And you look at them and say, what? You don't want this gift? But I got this gift special for you, whatever that gift is. Remember that gift you wanted? Well, I went somewhere and I bought the gift. I spent money for this gift. But this is not the money that has anything to do with it. I went out of the way to get this gift for you because I love you. And you don't want it? No, I don't want it. I don't want your love. It's not important enough to me. I've got other things to deal with. Wow. How would you feel if someone came to you like that? You buy a beautiful engagement ring for your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Well, let's leave out the engagement rings because those things can fail. But let's think about, you know, a precious gift of some kind other than that kind of a thing. And, And just say, look, I went out of the way and I spent all kinds of money. I sacrificed everything I have to give you this special gift and you're telling me you don't want it. And that one that you're trying to give a gift to would say, that's right, I don't want it. It's not important enough. I got other things to do. Other people care for me, and your gift is not important enough. How would you feel about that? be pretty disappointing, wouldn't it be? Especially if it's someone that you love very much and you were hoping they'd give you a gift for Christmas. And, and now, you, you know, uh, you, want, you have a gift to give someone. Now you want them to have this gift, and now they're refusing it. That's painful, isn't it? It is. Well, God loves you so much more than that, you can't even conceive how much God loves you. And you want to refuse his gift? Well, what is God's gift? What are you talking about? I know things about in the Bible. I understand they a God, and I'm religious, and I go to church. So what are you talking about? I'm not refusing God's gift. Well, if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your personal God and Savior who died for you on the cross to pay for all your sins, if you don't want to do that or if you haven't done that, then you're rejecting his love. Are you not? Yes, you are. Think about it. He loves you. He gave you life. In many cases, he's giving you relatives or people, children, whatever. He gave you all of that because he loves you. He loves you. You're going to take it for granted? How can you? We can't reject God's love that way. But maybe you have, and sometimes, innocently, many people reject the love of God because they think there might be other ways. There is no other way. There is no other way to God except through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 